You're tuned to Morcone Island on WFMU. I'm your host, Devin Levins, every Tuesday from 8 to 9 p.m. Playing the soundtrack hits this week. Special guest joining us, Ben Frost, the Melbourne, Australia, born and raised, and currently Reykjavik, Iceland-based composer. And we'll be discussing his uh, new album entitled Scope Neglect, his sixth studio album. It's being released by his label Mute Records. Uh, it will be on vinyl, CD, and available digitally as of March 1st. A couple of tracks are floating around the internet. The River of Light and Radiation, as well as Turning the Prism. You can find that on Ben's Bandcamp. And I think uh, advanced orders for limited edition vinyl are available at Bandcamp as well. And he's joined by guitarist Greg Kubaki of the progressive metal band Car Bomb, as well as bassist Liam Andrews of Australia's My Disco. This is his first studio album in seven years, following uh, the 2017 Mute Records' The Center Cannot Hold, which was uh, partly recorded and uh, engineered by Steve Albini. I'm speaking with Ben Frost, supporting now his sixth record, a studio album for Mute. Seven year, I guess, gap since your last one, but you've been very, very busy in the film and TV soundtrack world, I know. But your your label is now describing this as the beginning of a new chapter for your work, and it is definitely on first listen on the heavier side. Sonically, you maybe at first glance you would say metal, but then you definitely deconstruct things and it goes into a completely different direction at times. But uh just what, what's sort of the genesis of this and uh, what took on this new album? Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose the place to start is, as you said, this this record did arrive late. There's a, a confluence of reasons for that, you know, COVID not being the, the least of which. Just being really busy in the, the world of film score. Film score is a funny space to work in, in that, it, at least in my experience, it has a slightly negative effect on music for music's sake. It's working with an existing narrative changes the way my brain kind of works and you know, the, the way I compose music. And so it took me quite a while to sort of write my way out of that space, write out of this film store realm and get back into a space where music, yeah, existing kind of in its own universe. And I think partly the record is a bit of a reaction to that in that I really wanted to get away from these really horizontal lines that are at the heart of film music, I suppose, in a way. Like, like trying to get back to something that's, that has a more sort of verticality in the shape that exists within the music and making compositions that are they're about the body and less about dealing with storytelling drama. Yeah, making something that feels a little more visceral and guttural. Yeah, I've had a long relationship with metal, and I wanted to make something that sort of leans, leaned a bit more clearly into that space. And uh, so I guess for this, you, you had two collaborators, Carbomb's guitarist Greg Kubaki and bassist Liam Andrews of an Australian band, My Disco. Yes, that's how, right. how did they become involved with this? How did you seek them out or did they get sort of worked into it all? Well, I've been a huge fan of Carbon. Sorry about this. The uh, FDNY is driving past me. So I've been a huge fan of Carbon for years. And, you know, progressive metal is, is really a, a space that excites me a lot. At some point when I was starting to think about like really locking into the album, I reached out to Greg and unbeknownst to me, he was, he's a big fan of what I do. And so it was, it was kind of a no brainer. And it was, it was just a big kind of leap 
into the dark. I basically invited him over to Berlin where I booked studio time at the studio Candy Bomber, mm-hmm. where I've, I've done quite a bit of work previously. I really wanted to work there again with Ingo Kraus, the engineer. I'd done the last two Swans records with Michael and the rest of the band working in that studio. And so for me, it was really exciting to go in there to work on some new music. Uh, and I invited Greg and Liam to Berlin, having never met before. I mean, I'd met Liam before. We, we go way back. Australia is a small place. But yeah, never met Greg before. And we just sort of got into the studio and just started playing around. Yeah, it was immediately sort of a, a new space for me. And, and that's really, for me, what making music is all about, like kind of being challenged. What was it about your reaction to all the work you've been doing on the film and TV scoring side of things? Is it that led you to the heavy side, you know, the, the metal yeah. and, and wanting to seek out, you know, members of Carbomb, etc.? Is it just that's just your reaction of just wanting to do something completely different? I think that there's definitely part of that, but I think it's it's more of a, a, a sort of a, a, a genuine attraction to that to that world. To the there's a sort of a, a mathematical, you know, logic based, very endurance oriented sort of way of approaching music in the metal world that really resonates with me. The music is acrobatic. You know, there's a, there's a real athleticism to to what bands like Carbomb do. And I'm drawn to it because I don't really understand how it works. And that fascinates me. And so like getting in there and trying to kind of like trying to find a way through it and trying to navigate this new space, that for me is where good music comes from. If I get too comfortable, I think it, get, it quickly flattens out and it gets lazy. So, you know, I'm always looking for ways to kind of essentially destroy my hopes of, of making it simple. Yeah, I, I want it to be hard. I want it to be a challenge always, you know. There, there always comes these moments in, you know, in a career where you start to plateau, things become comfortable. And I think working with strings, working with the kind of language of film score, at some point after doing three seasons of, of Dark, you know, after doing Raised by Wolves, after doing a lot of film scores, yeah, it gets to this stage where it becomes sort of, there's a, a level of comfort in there that is not necessarily healthy or conducive to pushing the envelope, which is really what I want to do. In the film and TV world, you're you're very much supporting somebody else's vision, I guess, right? I mean, in some sense, even if you are being brought in for your your sound or your talents and your experience, um, and then you know, TV productions are historically the you know some of the most demanding because you got a lot of different people that are in the mix, right? Producers and et cetera, et cetera, not just directors. And this is sort of a release. It sounds like for you. Look, to be perfectly honest, I've I've been super lucky in that I haven't really experienced a lot of the horror show death by a thousand cuts, too many cooks in the kitchen thing that you're describing. Yeah. You know, with something like Dark, I have a really one-on-one relationship with the director and and to a lesser extent the writer. They really give me the reins, and so. Yeah, I, I take your point. It is uh, very much about collaboration and it is about, you know, serving serving story. There is, I, I've also been able to, you know, experiment a lot within that, that world as well. But there is a, there's a kind of, a, there's a cumulative density that sort of happens in, in film work where my sort of worst qualities are a maximalist approach where there's just too much going on. And mm. so part of this record was about sort of stripping back that making something leaner yeah just a lot more about the sheer sort of physicality of what lies at the root of my music whatever that is i saw like at the end of the month you're doing a live performance with greg in prague do you have any plans to actually do live performances of this music from scope neglect absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. i mean we're sort of we're still working that out we've done a few shows already and 
live live music for me is really about you know kind of it being as live as possible and making something that feels a little sketchy, a little on the edge of failure. So you know we're definitely in that space now, and I think it's just about yeah honing in on it and just playing more shows and and honestly just having fun as well. Ultimately, that's what it's supposed to be. How long was this this record in the making? I mean, the actual recording was only about a week. I had those guys in the studio sort of both solo and sort of crossing over for a few days. But yeah, I mean, the, the actual recording process was pretty quick. But then, you know, my approach generally seems to be like I do a lot of the work very quickly. And then I spend a lot of time working on the details. So, you know, there was a good maybe six months after the initial recording that that sort of went into sifting through it and reining it in. And I, and I bought in like some more collaborators throughout that process. I mean, I'm very privileged to have really long. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of camaraderie and a very small circle of musicians who are my friends. Um, you know, Tim Hecker, Lawrence English, Alessandro Cotini, Paul Corley. You know, these, these guys are all kind of a closed chat of when, when someone's working on a record, we all sort of tend to reach out and, and sort of say, Hey, you know, what do you think of this? Like, and just checking in, you know, I think when you spend so much time on your own, as most of us do, it's really important to have ears, like trusted ears that you can sort of lean on and, and where necessary, like actually have contributions from those ears as well. And so that was definitely the case on this record. Spent a couple of days with Tim in Montreal and Lawrence, you know, got his hands into it for a couple of days as well, just to sort of just fine tune and nuance a couple of things here and there. Are you yourself performing on specific instruments besides yeah. producing it all and no, I mean, basically everything on there that isn't bass or guitar is, is me. And this is described as a deliberate opposition in terms. In what sense mm. is that from your perspective? Well, I think there's, when you, you know, you, you talk about metal, I mean, there, there, metal, like most musical genres, has a lot of baggage. There's, there's certain tropes within metal. There's, there's a certain kind of a historical weight to the language of metal. And there's definitely aspects of that, yeah, that I, I sort of saw as, as not being necessary or conducive to the thing I wanted to make. So it was very much about sort of like honing in on the elements and and really kind of trying to trying to make something that, that is drawing upon that world, but is also maybe trying to transcend. There's a sort of a, a, a lot of metal, a lot of modern metal is very much about speed and, and, and acrobatics, as I was sort of saying, like it's... A lot of the songs you'll find on, on a record by a band like Carbomb are very short and it's all, it's everything is sort of packed in and it becomes this sort of nucleus of uh, energy. And I was very interested in sort of like surprising that apart and unfolding it over time in a way of the way that a lot of that music works is that there's an initial sort of shock and awe aspect to it, which remains because of the brevity of a lot of the music. So by repeating it and kind of having it linger there longer and allowing it to really sort of smolder in that space, it's forcing your ear to acclimate to it in a way that it becomes a sort of a, a new baseline um, or zero that you're no longer hearing it as this super aggressive face melting thing, but you're actually kind of like sinking into it or sort of floating with it and it can become something, I don't know, much more meditative, honestly. You know, I mean, I, I really, for me, the, the touchstones for this record were people like Terry Riley, Alice Coltrane, Steve Reich, 
you know, really kind of pulling on those strings, but using a different set of tools, using a different a different set of instruments. Yeah, there's like a minimalist um, side to it all, I think. Like even, um, like it starts out very heavy and it wasn't exactly what I was expecting when I first hit play, but, you know, not a spoiler alert or anything, but the last track is, is quite the opposite from the first, you know. Mm. So it's not exactly, yeah. at least uh, sonically. Right, right. You know, uh, like for the last 20 years or so, 15, 20 years, visuals have been sort of a through line in a lot of your, your music, at least what's making it out to the masses and all. When you take on your own project like this, where a studio album where it's not supporting a film or TV production or anything like that, I'm thinking going all the way back to, say, your Solaris project, where it's like a rescore you know, some of these visual artists or cinematographers that you've worked with on, you know, even Aurora, when you take on a, a project like this, which uh, is not supporting a moving image of some sort or whatever, is there still images in your mind, I guess, for this specific project when you when you kicked it off? I tend to work from a pretty visual point of view that manifests insofar as the way I actually see music. I really think about the landscape of composition in a visual way. You know, when I'm making sound, when I'm making, when I'm mixing, when I'm sort of like finding a balance between things, it's very object-based for me. And there is a sort of a sense of proportion and shape and color and texture that I'm sort of looking for. And usually the process of completing a work isn't so much about chasing a kind of an idea or chasing like a perfect image that I've had in mind from the outset. It's more about reducing things to a point where there's nothing that's disturbing me about the image anymore. So I'm leaning into the, the randomness of collaboration and of computers and, and, and programming language and, and studio accidents and sort of all of the sort of the enoisms of, of the creative acts, I suppose. But there is a way that I, I want to organize things in the end point that nobody else would hear but me. And uh, there can be very specific, very tiny things that just get on my nerves. So yeah, that that is a sort of a visual aspect in the in the production. But then you know, whilst I'm actually working, I'm inevitably reading things, looking at things at the same time that are not necessarily directly related to the work, but tend to start having a resonance within within the music. And with this record, I, for whatever reason, I, I can't really describe it, but I was just really drawn to. I started spending a lot of time on the NASA archives, um, the James Webb telescope, every, all of this stuff is, these images are incredible. And yeah, just sort of spending a lot of time in these archives and just these images of the of solar eclipses resonated with me for reasons I can't really explain. Yeah, this obscuring light, obscuring uh, such a massive object, this feeling that yeah, there's a sort of ephemeral moment that one thing is being eclipsed by another or, or the meaning of a thing is, is changing, however briefly. To me, felt like a, a good way to sort of think about the music. You recorded this, did you say in Berlin? Yes. Out in Germany? Yeah. Is that where you're, you're based yes. now or are you, you still Reykjavik? No, no, I'm, I'm, still, I'm, still, in Iceland. I'm still in Iceland, yeah. Oh, I've, I've been there for almost 20 years at this point. So. And so I assume that's where you're... But I, I spend a lot of time in Berlin, obviously, especially over the last few years. And I saw that you're doing some work at the Momentary. You did something last year, and then there's more coming up down in Arkansas, the newer museum here in, in the U.S. Is, is that a place that you could foresee doing some of the live performances for this there? Anything like that? Yeah, we're talking about that right now, yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's some plans for a U.S. tour later in the, in the spring, 
in summer, I believe. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to get get back and, and hit the road a bit, for sure. Just like a last question, is there anything you're working on on the film or TV side of things you can talk about? Uh, if you'd asked me that three days ago, I would have said no. But actually, yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a couple of really exciting things on the calendar right now, which um, I'm pretty, uh, pretty excited about, honestly. But I... I can't really talk about them, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. But so, uh, so there is something. Your soundtrack fans out there, there is something to be uh, looking out for, I guess, on the horizon. Yeah, absolutely. I think I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm trying to find the right, the right projects and 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 do something. Yeah, that I'm I'm excited about. I've been so lucky to to be in a position where that's that's been a choice so far. That works sort of finding you, right? It seems like they, there's a through line. It seems like you can connect the dots from each visual project to the next yeah I, I i suppose so i don't know i i, I find that the, the more time that goes on like it becomes easier to to make those connections but in the in the moment it, it all feels pretty random to be perfectly honest yeah, um, yeah i'm sure I, I just feel i just feel incredibly privileged to to be able to do what i do and that there's an audience for it. it's pretty it's pretty awesome yeah <laughs> well yeah I, th I thank you for your time and um listeners go to ethermachines.com is that the best place to to uh, be in the know of your upcoming doing your your releases and your uh, sure. live yeah. tour dates and music dates performance dates yeah and then again muterecords.com for ordering i guess the vinyl it's coming out on cd and digitally march 1st yeah i mean just it is actually out now there is like a limited edition that's shipping right now i've for a number of years sort of been annoyed by this frustrated by this by this idea that the digital casual listener is, is has easier access to music than the hardcore fans so um with me support we you know we flipped the script on that so it's oh, nice. uh yeah you, if you want the vinyl you can get it right now and you'll get it two months before the rest of the world i'm, I'm really happy about that and that's through your band camp through your band camp yeah 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 and through through mute as well and yeah and, as well. and local record stores support support your local record store all right well yeah thanks for your time all right and good luck on the new release thank you very much yeah i appreciate it